I'm Cassie Hilbron, and this is the Cook It Real Good podcast, bringing you shortcuts to success in the kitchen. Today's episode is all about Mediterranean cheeses. I chat with Alexis Gavril from Olympus Cheese, a Brisbane-based cheese company. Alexis and her family manufacture halloumi, feta, ricotta, and yogurts, among other things. I met Alexis about a year ago when I was lucky enough to get a behind-the-scenes tour of the Olympus factory here in Cooparoo. I quickly discovered how passionate and proud Alexis and the Gavril family are about the business and their products. I loved getting to see the care that goes into everything they do, and I even got to try my hand at folding some fresh halloumi. The quality of their range is unmatched to anything I've tried both here and abroad, and if you're lucky enough to live in one of the Australian states that stocks the Olympus cheese range, you'll see exactly what I mean. But if you aren't lucky enough to get your hands on their products, never fear. Today's episode will teach you all you'll need to know about halloumi, feta, and ricotta, and give you some great inspiration on how you can use these cheeses in your own home. Alexis shares tips on what to make with these cheeses, as well as how to store them to maximize their shelf life. This week's recipe of the week is my one pan Greek chicken and potatoes. This easy tray bake has it all. Crispy skin chicken thighs that are crispy on the outside, but tender and juicy on the inside. Melt in your mouth lemon potatoes, feta cheese sprinkled on top, as well as olives and blistered cherry tomatoes. Yum! All this is ready in under an hour. Grab this recipe as well as all the links we discuss in today's episode at cookitrealgood.com slash 39. Now, let's dive in. Hi, Alexis. Welcome to the Cook It Real Good podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I am excited to have you here. Before we kick off everything, I'm going to ask you, what is your signature dish? There are many that I enjoy, but <laughs> um, I, I would say for me personally, um, the halloumi zucchini fritters is something that I grew up making with, with my mum and something that I, when I moved out of home, it was the first thing that I gravitated to doing as a, a bulk cook kind of thing. So it just is easy. It um, feeds a lot of people. It gets your vegetables in, to be honest. And there's a good, really nice salsa avocado, um, an avocado salsa, sorry, to, to go over the top of it. So that is that is my go-to for a quick and easy thing to make. Yum. I love fritters in general, but yeah. chuck halloumi in there and yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's heaven. I love it. And I like that, that you can have that for like breakfast or dinner. Like it's not something where you go like, oh, you could ne- – people who are weird about eating like dinner food at breakfast, that's not one of them. That's like no. a really good all-rounder. Definitely. Now, Alexis, your family owns a cheese business, so can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so uh, we're Olympus Cheese. Uh, we're a family-run business. Um, it started in 1974 in the back of a house, which um, in West End. And you know, as we started to slowly grow, uh, we moved to Cooparoo. So we're still in a city. 
um, and we still have a lot of family members working there. Um, and we're Cypriot Greek heritage. So my, my dad's father is Cypriot and my dad's mother is Greek, Greek from Rodos. And, um, my uncle works there. I've got myself um, and my two yayas used to work there. They've only just recently kind of left. Um, and, you know, it's all about, you know, fresh cheeses, Mediterranean style, Mediterranean cheeses and um, all the good stuff. You know, we've got halloumi, feta, ricotta, and we do a, a yogurt. So we do a, a natural unsweetened pot set and a, a Greek style pot set yogurt. So, yeah, for, for us it's just been – a really long time of, of growing the business and, and getting people to understand Mediterranean cheeses here in Australia. And it's something that I'm really passionate about. And to see my mum and dad, how they've grown the business is something that I'm really proud of. I've been lucky enough to go and have a tour of the factory and get to see a bit of behind the scenes of the business. And I must say it's, it's beautiful. I love seeing how the family is all together and how passionate you guys are about your products and the quality of everything that you do and the history behind it as well. I think that that's something special as well as having that. It's been what 46 years that it's been going and where it, from where it started to where it is now. Um, it's a beautiful story. So I, I really, really like that. And of course your products are amazing. <laughs> Oh, thank you. And you got to fold some halloumi, didn't yes, you? Yes, 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 yes. That's right. Hand got, minted, hand folded. <laughs> got to see behind the scenes of how it's all made. And uh, yeah, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> and there's nothing like the smell of uh, fresh cheese, you know, if, whether it's ricotta, halloumi, feta. It's just that, that that first smell after it's been cooked is, is something pretty amazing. Absolutely. And I thought today we'd cover off some of those Mediterranean cheeses that, I mean, you've already touched on them and sort of let's talk about like what they are for anyone who might not be aware of them, but also how we can use them, um, how we can store them. That's sort of what we'll chat about today. So we're going to get a good education on Mediterranean cheeses. If you're, if you're not an expert at it, that's okay. Alexis is here to help us. So let's start with halloumi because that one seems to be like very, very, very popular, especially yeah. here in Australia. I, I I can't go past a cafe without it being on the breakfast menu and people seem to go crazy for it. So what what is halloumi? Yeah, well, halloumi is king, I think. Uh, halloumi is a Cypriot, uh, Cypriot cheese, so it originates from Cyprus and it's, it's a slightly uh, firm yet springy kind of uh, fresh cheese and it's got a really nice balance between – you know, because it's brined, it's in a salt brine, it's got a nice balance between that salt brine and the kind of the umami taste of what the cheese is itself. So the cheese does have a distinct kind of flavour to it and that balance between the salt and that really, I think, makes it unique. Um, a halloumi is kind of in the realm of, of mozzarella. Um, it does have layers to it, similar to, like, similar to mozzarella. Um, and traditionally... In Cyprus, it would be made with a, a blend of goats and sheep's milk, um, but they would also wrap it in mint leaves to preserve it back in the day. So we preserve it today with salt brine or vacuum bagging, but we keep to that tradition of, of having the mint folded into it as well uh, when, we're, when we're folding our halloumi. So we like to keep that tradition of it, but we ha because milk 
of sheep and goats is very hard to get here in Australia. We don't have um, large farms where those goats and sheep are. Um, so it's kind of like we have to go with cow's milk. And um, just the difference between the two is sheep and goats is a lot whiter and it will have a, a more strong kind of taste to it, whereas the cow's milk will be a little bit more of a sweet taste taste to it. So, I mean, that's what halloumi is in itself. It's, it's a It's a really nice uh, fresh springy cheese which you can either grate grill bake um, or eat it fresh and so in Cyprus what they would normally do is they would actually eat halloumi fresh with paired with watermelon so you won't find in, in Cyprus that they like to grill it a lot they just like to eat it fresh like that so that consistency of it being a bit springy and a little bit not moist, but a little bit springy with some with some um, moisture in it allows them to eat it fresh. I still have that on my list of things to try. We're fresh with some watermelon, yummy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We're wait for summer. We've got to come yeah. back for summer. Yes, yes, yes. And it's actually cold now. Um, yeah. So one thing that I think that people kind of find hard with halloumi is that um, – with lots of the cheeses, like they melt, but you don't want to be like um, necessarily, they can't stand up to that high heat. So if you were to grill them, they would kind of become like this big mess. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas halloumi like keeps its shape and things like that. So um, that's why it is perfect for like the grilling or the baking. Well, look, I mean, cheeses all start off the same way. You know, we all start with milk. We start with rennet. We either add culture or we don't. And then we heat it up that have that heating process of cooking it. But what's unique to halloumi is that, and what you were talking about with the melting, um, the high melting point is, is the second cooking process that we, that it undergoes. So after it's been cooked, pressed, drained, um, put into the molds, we then put it into another large vat where we, um, we cook it again um, to a certain pH and certain temperature which allows it to not melt when you're when you're going to grill it in a pan, um, and I guess that's that's what it's unique about halloumi is is that second cooking process to create the cheese that doesn't melt. And it is unique like that. You're right. So let's talk about how to use it. So we we spoke earlier about how we can put it in fritters, which is yummy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I guess like there's the obvious ones, which would be, yep, you can pan fry it or chuck it on the barbecue to grill it. Um, just in, I guess, uh, one of my, what's the word I'm trying to think of, like cut strips or things like that to, um, to put on top of like breakfast. But what are yeah, some just, more like outside of the box ways that we can use it? Yeah, look, I think Australia has really um, drawn to the whole grilled halloumi on a plate for breakfast with smashed avo. Um, and I think that's something that everyone's become really familiar with. But it is one of my favorite cheeses because of how versatile it is. Um, and like I said before, you can you can grill it and that and that's fine, but you can bake it. You can put a, like a prawn dish with the tomato salsa, and then you just slice your halloumi, put it on top, and bake it in that whole dish, and it still gets that beautiful consistency to it. Um, you know that nice kind of like squeaky squeakiness to it when you're chewing on it, but it doesn't have to necessarily be grilled. Um, you can grate it over pasta. I mean, I was telling somebody the other day that. You know, you can keep the parmesan on as well, but if you just grate some pasta on it because it's got that little bit of salt in it, you're just adding, you know, salt to your dish instead of having to add normal table salt. So, you know, you can grate it into anything. You, uh, we make uh, Greek sweets with grated halloumi. 
Um, and like I said, you can eat it fresh. So pairing it with different fruits is, is always great. You don't need to have, you know, a cheese platter that's got these very rich, creamy um, cheeses on there with pâtés and things. You can make a really beautiful fruit platter with pairing of fresh halloumi on there. Same with ricotta. So, yeah. So, I mean, with halloumi, it's really versatile and you can go sweet or savoury. So if you wanted to go the grilled option, you've got grilled halloumi with fig jam and golden syrup. And I swear it's like a pancake. It is such a delicious, like, sweet dish. Oh, yum. Yeah, I got to try that. Yeah. But, I mean, you could always do just the traditional squeeze of lemon juice after it's grilled. And, I mean, that's just our go-to at a family barbecue because it's just super easy. It's Everyone loves it. And there's no time to do anything else to the halloumi, you know, before everyone grabs it off the plate. <laughs> yeah, it would be the first thing to go at our house too. <laughs> as soon as it's out of the frying pan or whatever, I'll be like, yeah, it's a gone. <laughs> I know, you've, you've, got to, you've got to take it off the plate before you present it to everybody else because <laughs> there's no chance of anything staying behind. <laughs> All right, so that's hilarious me. And what about feta? Now, feta is what I was keen to pick your brain about. I was going to say grill you, but I, <laughs> this is an interrogation. <laughs> interrogation. Um, so there's different types, I guess. So um, probably the spelling is the one that confuses me the most. So when I go into stores, I see like feta with a double T or feta with a single T. What is the difference? What does it mean? Yeah, look, um, it's probably something that's come up more and more today uh, because people are becoming more familiar with feta and you've got the you know the danish style feta and and things like that but that's just a different way of making feta but the feta with the one t and that has a pdo status in greece so it's kind of protected um and it recognizes the unique characteristics to a particular region in greece feta one t will have a blend of sheep's milk and has to have up to 30 percent goat's milk Um, and those goats have to be farmed on Greek soil for it to have that PDO status. And so that's really like that's what feta is in Greece. You know, it has to have those elements to it. Very similar to like champagne in France. You know, it has to be having those things with it. So we here in Australia at Olympus, we make feta with traditional recipes, but we put the double T in there. So we're mindful – that we make an Australian feta and even though it's handed down family recipes, we use our local milk from, you know, our fantastic dairy farmers we have here in Queensland. And they, they've worked on those lands for so many years that, you know, we just think the world of them, you know, Australia is such a harsh climate and we've gone through droughts, we've gone through floods. So those farmers know what they're doing there and they're always producing really quality milk for us. Um, and because like we said, sheep's and goat's milk is really hard to come by in Queensland in such large quantities. Um, so we make our feta with cow's milk or buffalo milk. So I guess for us, we think that the type of feta that we're making is really unique to our region here in Australia. So we're using our local farmers and, you know, all of our stuff is, is made here in Australia. We're using Australian products, uh, yeah, products. So it's that's why we put in the double T just to, to I guess, pay homage to, yes, Greeks, Greece has, you know, it's, it's feta and, 
and why it is, you know, spelt with one T and, and the elements that make up that fedor. And so, yeah, for us, it's just about putting that extra T in there to kind of say, well, it's an Australian fedor and we're, we're really proud of it, even though we're from a Greek Cypriot um, heritage. That really makes sense, especially when you gave the champagne example as well. I was like, mm. eh, that, yeah. And I've actually, maybe you've told me about it before. I was like, I think I've heard this before. <laughs> so it's all making sense now why that yeah. would be the way it is. And where does like a Mediterranean feta sort of differ from a Danish feta? Like it is a different, I guess, process of making it, but you know, is one more like crumbly than the other or? Yeah. So look, I mean, even you can see the, the differences even with our buffalo milk feta to our cow's milk feta, our buffalo milk feta is quite earthy and rich and creamy and our cow's milk feta has got that sweetness to it because it's cow's milk and it's um, a lot crumblier. You can still slice it, but it will have that crumbly um, kind of thing to it. So great for salads, great for cooking. Um, listen, feta with anything makes anything better. So that's that's our, that's also our go-to to elevate any dishes. Yeah, you put some feta on roasted vegetables and, you know, no, no one's going to leave any vegetables on the plate. So, um, yeah, the Danish feta is a lot creamier, a lot more of a spreadable type of feta. And I guess, yeah, the Greek, Greek style is something that you want to be able to keep its shape if you're going to put it on top of a salad in a full piece, but also crumble up and, and be beautiful if you're going to, you know, mix it into anything else. That definitely makes sense. I um, I was actually going to say the buffalo milk feta, oof, if you get your ch- <laughs> a chance to get your hands on that, I feel sorry for anyone who can't try specifically Olympus cheeses, <laughs> uh, buffalo milk. So I feel like a bit of a tease talking about this, but oh my gosh. It's good. <laughs> uh, I, I barely could put it on anything because I was just eating like forkfuls out of the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> it's just got such a unique taste to it. And I think um, buffalo milk is, is such a beautiful milk to work with. It's so white. And, you know, when you get your f- finished product of, of feta, um, it just is such a beautiful cheese. And then when you when you break it up, that, that creaminess and that earthiness is just it's just what yeah, another one of my favorite cheeses. I really can't have a favorite, can I? They're, you can't, they're all you my can't. favorite. They're like your, they're your children. You can't pick them. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Um, and I was going to say, like, you're so right about feta being so versatile. Like, it really can be put on so many things. Like, I think that, um, yeah, don't feel limited there. Like, one of my favorite pairings is anything roast pumpkin with mm. feta is my favorite. Um, but, yeah, I put it in, in quiches. I put it in fritters. Yeah, like anything at all. Um, yeah, if it's not – cubed in a salad just crumble it into anything that's cheesy is my favorite yeah i mean spanakopita just i love spanakopita and i probably add more feta than i do of the ricotta and and a mixture of other cheeses it's just it just really makes you know the dish and i think what we're doing is we're starting to become more and more confident um especially here in Australia, to try new things. Uh, you know, like I said with the halloumi, you don't have to go savoury every time and you can do a beautiful sweet baked feta with, you know, a drizzle of honey over the top and um, roasted almonds. And it just makes so many, um, you know, simple cheese with other elements and just present so nicely if you're going to, you know, do a dish up for, you know, a dinner party or something like that. It just is something different. And I think we're becoming a little bit more confident to, to play around with 
those flavors definitely and part part of that comes from seeing it in action too like everything will seem daunting if you've never seen it before but um yeah i i've noticed in australia we have really embraced mediterranean cheeses Mm. in our um everyday cooking so it is like when you see something different on the the menu at a or your local cafes you're like okay now i could try that at home or if you see food bloggers using it for example that's how you do it i know you guys have a bunch of recipes on your site so if you're looking for some mediterranean cheese inspiration you should go to the olympus cheese website as well and you just learn from yeah seeing what other people are doing yeah that's it no couldn't agree more now let's talk about ricotta as well so we just talked about we'll put it in spanakopita yum (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah like i think most people are probably um the most aware of ricotta i think that it's um probably a bit more universally used uh, as people probably use it in things like lasagna but for anyone who's not aware what is ricotta yeah, well, I mean, ricotta is a really, I think, sometimes an underrated cheese to, to use. And what's really great about it is you're really uni- universal. I mean, the Italians make ricotta. And then in Greece, we called ricotta mazithra. So, and then in Cyprus, they call ricotta anari. So you've got all these different names for the one, uh, one cheese, which is, it's, Really, if you look at it, it's the cheese made from whey. So the excess whey from cheese making still has proteins in it. And so then you would add citric acid, add some milk, and then that would build up and create a whole new cheese, which is ricotta. Um, and I've got to tell you, my yaya loves walking into the factory when we've just made fresh ricotta. It's sweet and it smells warm and it's just you want to smear it on toast with honey and I think it is one of the best cheeses to do so many different things with. I mean, you can bake it. And I think more people are becoming a little bit aware of how you can use ricotta. We do a baked ricotta, but you can bake your own ricotta if you've got leftovers um, and you you don't think you're going to use it up because it does have a short shelf life. Um, And then again, you can go the sweet or savory. You can put different herbs in it and bake it. Um, You can put berries and make a berry compote. Um, with creme fraiche as a dessert with a baked ricotta. So you don't have to just go the lasagna. You don't have to just go the, you know, the spanakopita. Come around Easter time, just put some chocolate inside of it and bake it, and you've got this oozy, chocolate, creamy, cheesy deliciousness. Um, yeah, so I think ricotta is a really great um, staple. I think if you have ricotta in the fridge, you're always bound to be able to make something with it, and that's what's really great about it. I love that. And you're right. There, there seems to be like we've just used to like one way of using it. We probably haven't really thought about how else to apply it, especially if we did have leftovers, which you somehow always do. Mm. Um, you sort of think like, oh, now I have to bake something again, like a lasagna or whatever it is. But you can use it, yeah, in other ways. Yeah. I, love, I love it baked with sweet things, but mm. chocolate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that. So what about how to store cheeses? So let's talk about the cheeses that we've just spoken about. If I think part of the problem is also knowing what to do with it if you haven't used the whole thing, which, you know, these are bigger cheeses. You probably won't use it all in one sitting unless you're using it all in, in you know baking or doing something else. How do we 
you know, lengthen the shelf life of them. Yeah, well, I mean, this is probably something that we get asked a lot when people come past. Um, you know, we go through in our household probably a one kilo tub of feta a week. <laughs> but, but we're a little excessive. But um, <laughs> look, uh, feta is, is one of the easiest ones you can store. Uh, and, and keep preserved for a longer period of time, especially if you buy it in um, a pre, like a vacuum packed bag. So if you get a little portion and it's, it's vacuum packed and you've used some of it and you're like, oh, I don't know really how, how long it's going to keep or I'm probably going to go away now for two days and I'm going to come back and the fed is going to be off. So really simple, easy, nice clean container, um, dissolve two teaspoons of salt into one cup of water and you've got your uh, salt brine solution ready to go and you just pop it in and make sure the feta is is covered and it's an air airtight container and um and then it should it should be fine for you know as long as you're using clean utensils using clean hands when you're taking the feta out it will keep for a lot longer never lasts that long in my fridge but <laughs> that's 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 how that's how you can store it um and as long as it's an air airtight container and on some um, paper towel you know, it should be okay for one to two days. But for that extended period, I would make a salt brine solution um, and it's super easy uh, to do at home. That's awesome. And what about halloumi? Can we do anything there to make it last a little longer? If you don't eat the whole block, then <laughs> look, halloumi is the easiest one. You can freeze it. So if you pre-slice your, your pack, whatever you whatever you haven't eaten, put it in a Ziploc bag and put it in the freezer, um, it will last quite some time you just take it out thaw it out let it get come to room temperature before you're going to grill it um you'll have a little bit of water grilling off just that's because it's you know it's been in the freezer but it's it's one of the easiest ones to keep if you're not going to eat the whole block in one sitting and i would suggest pre-slicing it just so much easier uh, and convenient just break off what you need and then away you go that's a great idea and what about ricotta so ricotta um because it, it has a very short shelf life, um, an airtight container uh, for one to two days, you know, it all comes down to smell, taste, look, like what does the cheese look like, how is it smelling, you know, there's no problems taking a little bit off and kind of seeing. But any excess, you can't really freeze it by itself. It does retain a lot of water and moisture. Um, so I would pre-bake, you know, up a dish and as long as you've cooked with it, um, you can then, you know, thaw it out and, and heat up the dish that you've made and the ricotta will be fine. But I would honestly just bake it. You then get an extra shelf life of almost uh, a month on it. So put it, whack it in the oven, uh, 180 degrees for about an hour. And it's also just having a look at it and just seeing you want to have a nice caramelized outside um, and then not drying it out too much. It will shrink a bit in the oven, but you then can just go sweet or savory with that and um, airtight container or um, a little bit of paper towel underneath it in the container. It also helps just to kind of draw the moisture away from it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I know that's going to be a really big help because that's sort of the first thing. Even if it is just for a couple of days, you're sort of like, what do I, how do I make sure this is looked after properly? Like, <laughs> you don't really, you don't really want to cling wrap a lot of things. Um, you want, you know, you've got those beeswax kind of um, thing, um, sheets that you could use. Yeah, as long as you're airtight container and you, if you if you cook it, you're going to get a little bit more out of it. That's a really good idea. 
Well, just before we go, I thought maybe we might touch on a bit of yogurt too, because um, I think sometimes uh, it's a little bit confusing about like what the difference is between the Greek and the plain and how to use those, or if you can just use them interchangeably. So maybe we could talk to that for the last little bit. Yeah, look, so all of our yogurts are milk and culture and and that is it. So we don't like to add a lot of things to it. Um, and I think there's that really fine line where yogurts are starting to become desserts with how much sugar is going into them. Um, and so, we, yeah, so we just we like to keep it simple. We like to just keep it, you know, with basic ingredients and pr- providing you with the best quality style yogurt that you can use without feeling, I guess, not guilty, but, you know, you're just knowing that you're adding it to other things that – do have sugars in it. So if you're doing a smoothie, you know, the natural unsweetened will take on those sweet flavors of the fruit or you then could use it because it doesn't have a lot of sugar in it. You can use it to um, for a dressing or making dips. So it allows you to then expand on it and not, and not have to be like, oh, this is a vanilla yogurt what can I do with it? Um, and we don't use any thickeners, no pectins, um, no additives into, into our yogurts. So difference between the natural and the Greek style is the Greek has a more of acidic kind of tang to it. It's just, it's just a little bit more, um, we do use a different culture for it, but it's just, yeah, it's just got that little bit more of a tang to it. And both super versatile. You don't need to just put it in a smoothie or on a, on a fruit bowl. We just curries, use it instead of for the sour cream. You can use it to bake. Um, this is an amazing dish. And I don't know if you've actually done this one, the, the bread with three ingredients. I think it's yogurt. Yes, yes. Have so you done good, so good. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so there you go. So it's just it, you can use it as a substitute for so many things as well. And that's what we like about our yogurts is it's just – there's nothing else added to it, and you can then just go go crazy with developing your own, own little recipes. But we put it on on curries, or um, yeah, you can make popsicles. You you did a great popsicle. Uh, what was it? A mango? Yeah, a yogurt? yum, yep. Yeah. So look, yeah, there's a lot of things you can do with it. I like using it in place of sour cream, definitely. Like, yeah, I put it mm. on like chili or things like that, just to um, tacos. Yeah, yeah. tacos. Um, in fact, I actually never use sour cream anymore because it's just got enough tang, and it's yeah. I feel like it could be all in my head, but I feel like it's a bit better than cream for you. Yeah, you just it just feels a bit lighter. So when you're adding something to it, you don't. It, it, does it feels lighter which is great it's um and yeah i i like it in things like particularly the greek yogurt i find it tends to be like a little bit thicker than uh, regular yogurt so it can be good in um yeah the popsicles or things like that but either can work interchangeably and um yeah, I do like to put it in baking as well. It can be used um, like with oil and butter or instead of. Um, there's heaps mm. of op- opportunities to put them in muffins and cakes. Yeah. I have a few recipes with them too. So, yeah, I really, really like cooking with yogurt. Um, but I agree yeah. with you that they're just all the ones in the supermarket these days seem to be like <laughs> – We've had a few favorites over the years that we've eaten before we've really ever thought about sugar and then turned turned over turned to the around. nutritional panel and gone, oh my gosh, I am eating a Mars bar when yeah. I'm eating. 
And I don't I mind having sugar when I want to have it, but when I thought I was having something healthy, that wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think definitely the with times changing, everyone's just becoming a lot more conscious about what they're consuming and where it's coming from. And so, and that's why we just don't add anything else into it. We just like to keep it pure and simple. I like it. Now, Alexis, can you tell people where they can find you? So one, um, you know, people who are obviously in Australia might be able to get their hands on your products, but two people who just want to know more about maybe how to use the cheeses, where to find you online. Yeah. So look, I mean, we are based in uh, Brisbane, Queensland, but we have we really like to put our products in independent grocers. So if you have a local IGA, Foodworks, um, Drake's, um, even your, a fruit barn, they, they will stock it. If you ask them to get it in, you know, they're very likely to be able to, to get it in for you. Um, and we are in New South Wales and Victoria as well. So, yeah, all those independent grocers is where you will find Olympus um, products and um, Perth, sorry, we're not over there yet, <laughs> but we're definitely on, on this side. So, and, and Canberra as well. So, yeah, so we're, we're starting to grow a little bit uh, more in our retail uh, sector, but a lot of cafes and restaurants do use our products already. But if you just want to know um, how to use, you know, Mediterranean cheeses, www.olympuscheese.com on the website, we've got Instagram. Um, Olympus cheese and, um, and, and Facebook. So we're always putting up recipes. We're always talking about, you know, different ways that you can use our products and, and showing you a little bit of the background behind the cheese making process as well. So it's always nice to see that is a hands-on process and all of our cheeses aren't made, you know, specifically in one, one, um, weight and size. It does have that nice hand, um, handmade, feel to it that's awesome well thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge with us today that's been awesome thank you for having me now it's always always good to talk cassie appreciate it I just loved getting to chat about all things cheese with Alexis. I hope that this episode has given you some new ideas on how to use Mediterranean cheeses, but has also boosted your confidence to experiment with them in some outside of the box ways. Grab all the links that we discussed in today's episode by heading to cookitrealgood.com slash 39. That's it from me. Have a great week and don't just cook, cook it real good. Bye.